If you've got your Bible. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to just place it in both hands for a minute. And if you don't got it, that's okay. But I've tried to make this statement here and there on Sunday mornings. We're, we're having more than just uh, a teacher spurting off things that they know this morning. We're digging into the Word of God. Amen. Amen. That's different than somebody just getting up and saying a bunch of stuff. This stuff carries weight. Because he can speak a word and things come into existence. He can speak a word and things cease to exist. Or he can speak a word and things will change completely. That's what can happen this morning. Somebody said amen. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 18 is where we want to begin this morning. I do want to say that if you take a look around at some point in this service, you're going to find some very, very clean, beautiful carpet that's in this house. And that's because we've had some folks that took it upon themselves to just really professionally clean our carpet. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just give them a hand? I know that I think it was Sister Betty. You all have some involved. Wilson, Sister Jane, Sister Betty, thank y'all so much. We love the house of God. We want to keep it clean and looking nice. And it just looks great up here. Amen. First Samuel chapter 18. Bear with me. I'm going to read several scriptures here for a minute. And it's in your bulletin as well. But uh Verse 1 of chapter 18 says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. That's interesting verbiage there. So I'm going to read it again. The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan took, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now skip to chapter 19, verse four. It says, and Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Of course, he's speaking of Goliath at this point. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And then one more section of scripture, the next chapter, chapter 20, verse 1. And David fled from Naoth in Ramah, 
and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. In our key verse this morning, verse 4, Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. Uh, we're, we're paying attention to three people this morning. So catch on quick because this train's going to get to rolling here in a minute. We're paying attention to David, who last Sunday we talked about his calling. He was anointed now to be the next king of Israel. So David, character number one. Character number two is Saul, who was the king at the time, God is getting ready to cast aside and say, I'm through with you. Matter of fact, he wasn't the choice at the beginning anyway. So now you have Saul, you've got David, and then this morning we're entering into the picture somebody that we had not talked about early at all, and that is Jonathan. And we are talking about the relation between these three men, and primarily this morning the difference between Jonathan and his father Saul. Our subject is submission. Submission. Wives, submit to your husbands. No, I'm just kidding. It's not exactly the subject this morning. I tease my wife sometimes about scripture. Uh, but it also says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. A lot of times the men who are so stuck on that scripture, wives submits, well, they need to love their wives better in the first place. Um, it's a two-way street, praise God. But I'm not exactly talking about that kind of submission this morning. We're talking about submission to leadership. This is a biblical thing, folks. Charles Spurgeon said this, It is perhaps one of the hardest struggles of the Christian life to learn this sentence. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name be the glory. It's hard to get your own intentions out of the way. We've got things we want to see happen. We've got goals that we think we need to meet whether they're of God or not, sometimes. We have a view of what we want to see happen. And it's very hard to get that out of the way sometimes in order to see God's will carried out and the glory of God be observed. If you're driving on the freeway, I wonder if this has ever happened to anybody in this room. You ever had been driving, minding your own business. And somebody passes you going about 15 or 20 miles over the speed limit 
and they're swerving in and out of traffic. You ever had that moment where somebody's passing you and they didn't see this vehicle that's coming very quickly? And you see them come up beside you and you realize something bad might happen in a few seconds and your heart just kind of starts beating harder. <clears throat> People do foolish things sometimes when they get behind the wheel. And I know this is probably happening to you. That person passes you, they're swerving in and out of traffic. And I've turned to my wife and said, there's going to be a cop, get them. And you're angry, you know, maybe you lay on the horn, but sure enough, about a mile or two down the road, you pass him. And he's already writing the ticket out. And you can't help it, but kind of a smirk comes across your face. And you think, see, I told you. <laughs> or or uh, maybe you said, good enough for him. Yeah. Amen. More power to you. Um, whether it's morning or evening, if you're commuting to work, there's always somebody that's late, that's acting foolish, putting their life and your life in danger. But there are rules on the driving scene that have been put in place that will help if everybody will comply to the rules. Right. Comply is a good word for obeying traffic laws. If everybody will obey the traffic signs, if everybody will obey the driving handbook and the rules that are put out there, it's a lot safer road. And rush hour becomes a lot easier to navigate. Because there's rules that are set forth to comply. But there's always that one car. Everybody else is doing right. But there's that one car, the one that tailgates the back of your vehicle. And you're going the speed limit, you know. And they're right behind you. And you're like, mm, I just want to slam my brakes on for a minute. And let Jesus take the wheel and see what happens. Amen. And, and they're doing all this. They're not complying to the rules that have been set for them to even get behind that wheel. And as you travel the highway of life, it seems there are always those that disregard the road signs of God's Word. And while there's people that understand that to not live by His Word is to live a life in vain. There's other folks that are not even paying attention or trying to comply whatsoever. And then when life takes a turn for the worst at some point and the ticket's being written out, they wonder why it happened. One of these things, one of these rules that God has put in place for us to comply with is biblical submission. Amen. There's no way around it. It's required of God. It's in the plan of God. Yes, it is. And as a matter of fact, it's not a drudgery to comply with. 
And we're going to talk about that in depth today. But submission is not a bad word. It gets a bad rap sometimes. People don't like to hear about it. And I understand that the prospect of teaching a lesson on submission this morning, I understand. I don't expect people to swing from the chandeliers. You probably don't want to swing from a chandelier in here in the first place. Not safe already, but particularly in our situation, uh, I wouldn't try. Amen. I understand that it, it's not the most invigorating message, but submission gets a bad rap. It's talked about in a bad way sometimes, but it's in the plan of God, and it ought to be something that we love. It's similar to giving. If in our, in our worldly state, in our carnal state, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make me feel good to take money out of my bank account and give it away to somebody else. I've lost money. But when you comply with the Word of God, you understand things like I'm laying up treasures in heaven. Amen. When you understand the power that's behind the rules we can comply with, set forth by God, it gives you a different perspective. It's not a bad word. It's a, pre a preferred pathway of life allowing God to take control. We don't need control. We don't have to take control of everything in our life. God made this life, made this earth, given us everything we've got. It's hard to relinquish control to Him and surrender our way to His. Surrendering is hard for most of us. And as a matter of fact, submission in your life, in a relationship with God, started when you were at an altar and you submitted to God. That's when it first started for you. In order for you to repent, you had to have some submission. If you really repented. God, everything that I've done, I'm sorry for it because I know from you that it wasn't right. And so I submit to you, God. And you do that and you give away everything you've got in repentance. And then, not only that, you have to submit your body to Him. Because when you receive the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues, God takes control of the most unruly member of the body. And you begin to speak in tongues. That tongue that speaks lies. Curses, all these things God takes control of because you've submitted it to Him. You're in submission to Him. And a lot of times people have trouble getting the Holy Ghost because they will not submit to God, God completely. They won't give everything over to Him. And it's, it's a problem for us. It really is. We all have someone to whom we got to submit to. And when we're just a child... If we didn't submit, that's about the point when mom and dad went and got a switch. Amen. That's right. Amen. Learn submission. Told you to clean your room. You talk back. You're not in submission to your mom and dad. You're going to have trouble sitting down tonight. Submission. It all starts somewhere. We've all got to submit to somebody. Even in ministry, you've got to submit to somebody. Amen. Amen. And uh, 
It doesn't matter what office you hold. You've got to have a pastor. And you've got to submit to your pastor. And this is really the core of what I'm talking about today. God wants us to submit to the spiritual leadership that is in our life. Amen. That's right. Now, maybe you've been living for God a long, long time. And you've never really considered, are you fully in submission to the spiritual leadership in your life? Now, we have waded into the depths in this church of the spiritual realm in the last couple of years. I thank God for that. You know what grounds all of that? Submitting to the spiritual authority in our lives. God places a pastor in a church so that when people operate in spiritual gifts, there's somebody who has authority over it. Making sure it's all in order and being done right. There's always somebody that God has placed in your life that you've got to submit to. You may not have a ministry, you may. It's okay. God wants you to submit to someone He's placed in your life. And when we accomplish His will in this, it, it starts a process of gaining trust. God begins to understand, you're going to trust my man of God, I will now trust you. Right. And I'll bless you with more. It's the way that God operates. And so, there's an extreme contrast in the scriptures that we've read this morning between David's experiences with Saul and his experiences with Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan quickly became one of David's greatest supporters. And Saul saw David as a threat. He saw him as an enemy. This is somebody who I've got to snuff out with a situation here. Jonathan submitted to David as a future king, and Saul, the current king, did everything in his power to destroy the future king. Now, if your question is, what is submission this morning? I'm going to give it to you real plain and clear. Here it is. Submission is the opposite of stubborn self-will. I'm going to do it my way. You abandon that and say it's going to be God's way in my life. And when everybody else is saying, well, how come you're doing it that way? You say to them, because it's not my will, but His be done. Amen. And if He says, I've got to have this out of my life, I'm going to get it out about as quick as I can. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Because not my will, but thine be done. And if He places this man of God or woman of God in my life, I'm going to submit to them because not my will, but thine be done. Amen. That's right. And it's not about... Hear me this morning. This is really important. It's not about some person in leadership getting the glory or something like that because you've submitted your life to them. It's not about them being put on a pedestal because you're submitting to them. It's about the plan of God. Amen. And God's got a plan that He wishes to carry out. But there are road signs and there are rules that's got to be complied by in order for that to be carried out. People who have gained influence must know how to distinguish between their own ambitions and God's will. Sometimes you can get so centered and focused on what you think needs to happen that you have abandoned the will of God. 
I know somebody that I have tried, tried with the help of the Lord to be a guide to them to follow God's will. Just follow the will of God. It doesn't matter what, what you think is right. What you think is right sometimes don't mount to a hill of beans if you've not submitted to God. That's right. And that's why I thank God for a prayer room. Yes. Well, hallelujah. If it wasn't for a place to pray and me getting down and praying, oh, I'd have my will. I'd have my will, but I'd be living a much worse life. That's right. Because I've abandoned the will of God. The will of God is found on, on your knees. The will of God is found in the Word of God. And this is how we seek it out. But it begins with abandoning that self-will. And not just considering your own ambitions. Now Jonathan, this is important, Jonathan was a successful warrior. This is the son of Saul who was a successful warrior. He's bound to be have some type of ability and talent. And he certainly did. He was well thought of in Israel. Uh, Jonathan succeeded in yielding any ambition that he may have had. And he promoted and defended David because he knew this was going to be the king. I'm going to submit to him. He's been anointed. And Saul, Saul was yesterday's leadership. David was the leadership of tomorrow. And it was now time to submit to the king. Submission had to take place. Jonathan understood that. And Jonathan's response to David perfectly portrays a leader submitting to God's authority and the leadership that was in his life. Jonathan was the prince of Israel. His father was the king. And Jonathan had repeatedly acquitted himself well in battle against the Philistines. He had the ability. Jonathan was not an unproven novice. He was known to have talent. He was well respected. People looked highly upon Jonathan. He was thought well of by his peers. But all of this, the ability, the talent in our life, how God uses us in the Spirit, all of these things do not exclude us from being in submission. I want you to think about right now the person in your life that you can say just off the top of your head seems to be the most powerful person in the spirit, most anointed, you highly respect and admire them. Get that person in your mind right now, whoever it is, doesn't matter. They still have to be in submission. Amen. There ain't no way out of it. I've got to be in submission. You've got to be in submission. Everybody does in order to be in the plan of God. And in doing this, we have all surrendered to Him. Yes. And do you know the power of a church that has submitted to God? What can take place when we have fully 
said, God, not our will, but thine be done. If this is your plan, I will follow it. 1 Samuel 17 ends with Saul in a conversation with David about the recent victory. Now, maybe everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. We know that so well, but we don't always know exactly what happened after that. We kind of stop at the victory right there. So if you're wondering, here you go. Uh, David's victory over Goliath was the start of him becoming famous. Now he's having a conversation with Saul. He's gained notoriety. And at Saul's insistence, David did not return to the sheep the flock that he was watching over, or to his father's home. Instead, now, after the killing of Goliath, he was going to stay in the king's house. And this is where he's residing. And Jonathan and David were in this palace together, and they quickly became friends. First Samuel 18 and 1 says this, The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. The Hebrew word translated knit is often translated by the English words conspired or bound. They were bound together. These were now close friends now that they had uh, become residents. They were next to each other. They became very close friends. And there was a covenant. Jonathan and David made a covenant, the Bible says. And whenever you see the word covenant in Scripture, don't just pass over that word. There's a very important legally binding agreement that has taken place between these two men. And uh, it's not used casually, the word covenant. And it, den it denoted a legally binding declaration between a couple parties. And now there was a promise made between these two men. Now, uh, if these were young men, which the Bible says that they were, the closest thing, I guess, in our modern world to something like this would be uh, a couple of young boys. Maybe if you're a, a young man, you were a young man at some point, you did this. Blood brothers. It's kind of nasty when you think about it now, but there, there's, there's a camaraderie that has taken place, and you're close. It's a best friend. Um, this is what has happened, but really even more, it was now legally binding. And Jonathan gave David his armor. All oh, this is important. This is an act of submission. Okay? This was a prince of Israel. An important young man that everybody looked up to before they looked up to David. But now that David is about to begin to fight for Israel in a great way, the sling and the stones aren't going to cut it anymore. You're going to be fighting vast armies. Jonathan understands he needs something that he can fight with. He takes his own armor and garments the prince and hands them to David. Undeniably an act of submission. Because the will of God is for you to lead this nation. God has placed you and anointed you specifically by the prophet in order to lead. And this is what you have to do I'm going to make a way for you to do that more effectively. This is submission. And when God puts somebody in our life, a leader in our life, we are to submit to them because it's the will of God that they're here leading us and this church. And I want to make way for them to be successful in the kingdom of God. Oh, praise God. 
If it's the will of God for them to be over me, and it's the will of God for them to be leading this thing, I'm going to submit and put forth everything I have to see the success of the will of God in their life because success for them in God is success for me in God. Amen. Submission. Amen. Because of this covenant, Jonathan gave David his sword, his bow, his girdle. It was submission. To do as Jonathan did and serve someone else who is highly regarded by others requires somebody to be secure and to be confident. Now hear this. Hear ye, hear ye. On Sunday morning service, praise God. There's no room for insecurity in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, well known. Jonathan has proven himself. Everybody knows Jonathan. Y'all know Jonathan. But now David comes onto the scene. And the man that not only Jonathan, but Jonathan's tall daddy could not defeat, David defeats. Amen. Oh, it would be mighty easy to get offended. It would be so easy to try to take care of this young man, David, if you know what I mean. Somebody take him out back because he's gaining too much notoriety here. We can't have that. It would be so easy to do that because of insecurity. Because I don't want him to gain notoriety over me. I surely don't want people to have a better view of him than me. I need to do something about it. This could have happened. But in the church, when God uses people in the Spirit, the Spirit moves as it will. You can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. It does what it's going to do to people who open themselves up to it. But not only, not always does it choose the same person. Matter of fact, it'll pass others by to get to the person it wants to use. And so... Maybe you've been serving God 50, 60 years and somebody who's 20 years old, God uses before you in the altar or somewhere else in some tremendous way. That don't mean we get insecure about it and say, I spend more time in the prayer room than they do. I know a whole lot more. I've heard a lot more preaching than they have. And when you hear talk about them, say, well, just calm down about that. I don't know if they'll be out of the church in a month or two. That's a wrong spirit. The Holy Ghost is at work. And if this young man, 20-year-old young man or lady, we'll just call him Ted. If Ted does something amazing in the Holy Ghost... We don't turn around and try to tamp that down and say, well, you know, we don't know how stable they are. Ted didn't do it. The Holy Ghost did. Amen. You know why? Because Ted submitted to the Lord to be used. 
So we've also got to submit to each other. Amen. This is why I know for a fact that this is true because I've been in altars where I've seen, I have actually seen a seven-year-old boy pray for an elder of the church that's been living for many, many years and see an answer to prayer. All that matters about the vessel is that it's empty and it's willing. That's all that matters about the vessel. And it's not the vessel that did it. It's just the vessel that carried the miracle. All of us in this room, we're not special. We're not special. God will choose whoever He wishes. You know, respecter of persons. All we have to do is submit to Him and be open to what He wants to do. Amen. And He'll use who He wishes. And so He could have got insecure. He did not. Insecure people cannot celebrate their own successes if somebody else is being perceived as having accomplished more. It's hard to do. And this is exactly what happened with Saul. Saul was threatened by David's successes and his popularity that was rising. And it began treating David as an enemy. Saul, this is important, Saul was not kingdom minded. Saul was pretty well minded about himself, but he was not kingdom minded. It is so important that we be a kingdom minded church and we be a kingdom minded Christian. In everything. Saul was not kingdom minded. Jonathan was kingdom minded. It's so important. I'm going to give this support to this person because I'm kingdom minded. I'm going to pray before church because I'm kingdom minded. I'm going to not get offended by that because I'm kingdom minded. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom. And Saul, all he could think about is it's my kingdom. So I've got to say this morning, this is not your kingdom. Come on. Yes. This is not my kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And that's not going to change. And if I am insecure or I'm jealous, it's because I'm making it my kingdom when it's His kingdom. Amen. This is what Saul was doing. Saul wanted to kill David. He became progressively more afraid of the influence David was gaining in spite of Saul recognizing God's hand on David's life. Saul became David's enemy continually. He steadily became more angry. David did not want to retaliate against Saul. Instead, he continued to serve Saul and Israel well. And his behavior got to the point where Saul tried to kill David, pin him against the wall with a spear. You'll be amazed at how the more you wade into the will of God, 
for your life, the more people around you will present you with friction. People who don't know what it is to live for God, but they see you changing and they see you becoming more like Him and unlike them. And they wonder and they say to you, this is not you. Why are you living this way? You have changed. Oh, I've changed. I've submitted to my Creator. Amen. I've submitted to God. And I've changed. You ought to change. It'll serve you well. Amen. And this is what was taking place. David was being promoted in God. And he had a heart after God. After God's own heart. And the Lord began to raise him up. Saul looks over and he notices. Jonathan does too, but he doesn't react the same way. The difference between the two was submission. Amen. The difference between the two was submission. Jonathan warned David of Saul's plan and suggested that he would escape. And so he's still trying to make sure that David fulfills the will of God for his life. The man of God that has been anointed. You remember last Sunday we talked about he got the right anointing. Saul did not. But this was the man of God for the hour. The real truth of it is when God places a man or, or a woman for that matter in leadership when he, when he places somebody in our lives that we have to submit to, when he puts that person there, it is so important that we do that. It is so important that we do that. It is in the plan of God. It is in the very plan of God. How many know God has a plan? Amen. Now, we could abandon that. We could say, well, we're going to change this. And uh, don't worry about submitting to leadership. Don't worry about submitting to the pastor. Don't worry about submitting to the godly leadership that the Lord's placed in your life. You know, there's some churches that really the pastor doesn't have a whole lot of authority. The church board has more authority than the pastor does, and he's walking on eggshells when he, everything he does, wondering, you know, is this going to be my last Sunday or something like that? This is not biblically how we operate, folks. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Honestly, a church board is not anywhere mentioned in the Bible. Now, we thank God for that. Do not misunderstand me this morning. We believe in counsel. Amen. We believe yeah. in getting the men and the women of God together and talking about things together. Amen. And praying over it, acting on the decision that we make. But biblically, God wants submission to the leadership in your life. And the biblical leadership that He's placed in our life Everybody's got a pastor. That's right. So let me guide you through this as hard as it may be for us sometimes. Sometimes submitting to the spiritual leadership in our lives means I'm going to not be able to do that anymore. Sometimes submitting to the leadership, the spiritual leadership God has placed in our life means it may not feel like what I think that I should do, 
but I'm going to do it because I believe God's put it in my life. Submitting to that leadership means I'm going to let him know when something's not right in my life, I need my pastor to know about it. Part of submission is faithfulness. I'll be faithful to the man of God that the Lord's put in my life. I wonder, there's, there's people in this room that have been living for God a lot longer than I have. And I preach the word today. Don't just take it from Brother Ryan. But there's some elders in this room I wonder over the years that you've had men of God in your life, I wonder if, if you can say that you've been blessed because you've acted in submission to the man of God that's been put in your life. Is there, is there anybody in this room? Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you a story that I heard recently about a young man that the pastor that God placed in his life went above and beyond for him. When he was in pain and hurting in the tragedy of his life, his pastor was there. He was there for him, praying with him, laboring in the altar with him. But there came a day when young man sees a young woman Young woman ain't living fully for God. But in the right decision, young man goes to pastor and says, Pastor, I really like this young lady. What, what do you think? What, what are you observing here that maybe I don't see? God gives vision to pastors that we don't have. And many of the other offices of the church that he's given. The pastors he does, for sure. And the pastor told him, don't go there. I can tell you things I'm not going to because I've got respect for this young lady that I'm not going to do that, but I can tell you things that she's doing, dealing with right now that you do not need to be a part of. It was not done rudely. It was done out of spiritual authority. Telling the young man, that's not what God has for you. But that young man went after that young lady anyway. And within just a short amount of time, just a short amount of time, both of them wasn't living for God. They were running about as far away from God as they could. Submission was missing. And then there came a day later on when they had met the end of their rope. Everything in their life was falling apart. They wasn't serving God. Wasn't being faithful or anything like that. They were following their own kingdom. That young man calls pastor. And he says, Pastor, I don't know what to do. 
cars broke down. We don't have a cent of money to do anything about it. I know I'm not living right. And the only thing that he could do is observe the fact that a long time ago, submission was missing in his life. He lost everything. I know that's kind of a dark story this morning. But I'm trying to illustrate to you how wonderful and beautiful it is when we follow the plan of God in submission. It's a wonderful thing. It's not a hard thing. It's not a tough, grueling thing. But when it all comes together, oh, thank God. Thank God for His godly leadership that He's placed around us. Now, I'm not going to take the time, but I could tell you stories about when people did submit to the leadership and the knowledge of men of God, and every piece fell together. Maybe some of you in this room, you can say because you have taken the guidance. Maybe you didn't see it yet. But somebody with more knowledge than what you've got said, yeah, this is right. And you did it. Things have begun to fall together the way that they need to be. There's people that are living for God and they have perverted this view of submission. Now here's, here's just a side note. Submission doesn't mean you call pastor and ask him which make and model in your vehicle you need to buy. Folks, we ain't got time for that. But when it's time to ask, you know it's time to ask. But it all starts with, I've submitted. I've submitted to God. And in that, I'm going to submit to the leadership He's placed in my life. Now, I'm going to close this out, but here's a strong statement. You've not fully submitted to God if you've not fully submitted to the leadership God's placed in your life. And maybe today you need to step back and say, well, now that I look back at everything and, and the way that I've lived, I've maybe skipped that point. Maybe I've skipped that spot. Oh, but what a difference in the behavior of Saul and Jonathan. What a demise came to Saul. Oh, but what a union Jonathan had with David. The man who was ruling the nation. Can I tell you this? God has a plan for your life. And in all of that comes submission. Submission in the will of God. Could we stand this morning? Jonathan was willing to submit. He's willing to submit. We don't always understand the methods of God. You don't have to. That don't matter. You do got to submit to Him. 
Sometimes God will have his representatives do things that we don't understand as well. You don't have to understand it completely. But, but, you can get in the Holy Ghost and you can pray and get peace over it and say, God, I'm going to submit to your plan. This is what God desires for each and every one of us. Now, I know it's a little bit different, but what I want you to do, I want you to take a few moments right now and refresh your submission to God. Can you do that? Do it, you can do it in your own way, but right now, just begin to pray. And tell God, Lord, first of all, first of all, not my will, but thine be done. Not to us, but that you may get your glory. I submit to you, God. And now tell Him, Lord, I submit to the leadership you put in my life. Lord, if you put somebody over me that's got spiritual authority, Lord, I'll submit to that. I won't neglect that, God. And if I have in the past, I'm sorry for it, Lord. But right now, I want Your will in my life. I don't want to be in rebellion, Lord. I want to be in submission. I don't want to have an attitude of Saul, God. And I don't want to be insecure. But I want to be in the Holy Ghost, Lord. And I want to be in submission to the leadership You put in my life. I surrender my kingdom, God. Take, take it all, Lord. All for Your kingdom. I want to be kingdom-minded. Lord, I want to set my thoughts on things above. And if that means... I have to be in submission, Lord. I'll be in submission. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody thankful for the leadership God's put in your life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that God didn't just leave you out on your own? But He put somebody that can show you the way and, and take your hand and said, let's do this together. Let's see what God has for your life. Amen. That's what the Lord's done. Amen. Now, hey, we're going to have worship. And we're, we're going to have uh, some good worship this morning. But now what I want us to do, you know, we, we, we start off our prayer meetings with praise. And we say we sandwich it with praise. Why don't we do that right now? Amen. Would you lift your hands all across this room? Amen. Lift your voice right now. Come on. He's a mighty good God.